Welcome back, everyone, to season seven of Plaid Skirts and Basic Black, the Black Catholic podcast where we talk about faith, culture, and pop culture all through a very bougie, bougie, bougie Black Catholic lens. (laughs) I'm Shannon, your co-host who is marching in the light of God, and I'm joined as usual by my co-host Marcia, who wasn't paying attention during Mass on Sunday and accidentally responded to the priest with, and also with you. Today, we are joined by a very special guest who we are excited to have on the show. She's a speaker, writer, conference organizer, wife, mother, and so many other amazing things. We just can't put her in a box. Please join us in welcoming Carriana Fry. Yay, you're here. (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. So you all may remember Kariana from a few years back when we featured her story on our first Echoes and Hope series for Black History Month. And we are super, super excited to have her on the show again, especially to talk about one of my favorite topics, liturgy. Yay. Yay. <laughs> but, it says uh, something about us that we're excited about talking about liturgy, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but before we get started, Kariana, we have some really important questions to ask you. First... Are you black? I am like you. So I I identify more as biracial than I do black because you can't deny either side of my identity. So yes. So we'll just count that as a yes. (laughs) Yes. A bunch of Africans up here. What's going on? Yeah, African. I I love that term. (laughs) Next question. Are you Catholic? Yes. Yes. Two for two. We got it. Two for two. Not as black and Catholic as it gets. (laughs) Then also, what is the most basic thing about you, Kariana? Well, if you would have asked me uh, two months ago, I would have said Starbucks because I have been a gold star Starbucks member since I have no idea, 2009 or something. It's something ridiculous. And and I shouldn't really think about how much money I have given to the Starbucks company and all that comes from that. But now I'm going to tell you that it's it's caribou coffee because I now live in caribou coffee land and yes, therefore I go to caribou coffee more than I do Starbucks. <laughs> yes, you do live in caribou coffee land. Uh, I was a little sad in my hometown. They had a caribou store mm-hmm. for a while and then it closed. Um, I think it was just their location wasn't the best. So, you know, now it's I'm stuck to getting it at the store like everybody else. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, there's little pop-ups. Or there's little, I know there's a, there's, a, there's one in the uh, Milwaukee airport because I remember whenever I'd fly into Milwaukee, which wasn't that often, we would typically fly into Green Bay from mm-hmm. California, but I would have a stop at Caribou at the airport. <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> okay, so we've learned the three most important things about you, obviously, Kariana, but please feel free to tell us a little bit more about yourself. I would love to. So I am a speaker, I'm an author, and I'm an educator. I was based out of Southern California. Now I am based out of just south of Twin Cities in a cute little town called Apple Valley. And we just moved here. We did a three-day tear across country because we really wanted to meet our stuff and not have it stuck in a storage locker until August. Um, And so right now, the summer has been one of just really kind of lying low and getting used to our new circumstances and our 
are unpacking and because we now have a house, which is a a big, it's a big thing for us because we were renters for over 10 years in California. So to actually have this piece of uh, equity is a, is a, Mm -hmm. it's a big deal for us. I I won't, I won't lie. When I am not unpacking books, I'm actually, um, I'm an author. I have written two books, uh, both of which are available on Amazon. They are examinations of conscience. So they're really easy to use. They're, they're portable. Uh, They are a short-term way to get into the habit of, or a a short-term way to build the habit of doing examination of conscience. One is written for adults called Servayam Non-Servayam. The other one's written for kids called The Virtuous Path. And I have another book coming up this holiday season with uh, Ava Maria Press, which I'm excited about, about uh, Sister Thea Bowman. And there's another one in the works that we'll be talking about in the next uh, couple of weeks. So it's been a busy summer of writing in a good way. But it's one where but I love having that creative outlet as well as, you know, the the teaching side. And then, of course, parenting and, and mothering and all that goes along with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm actually super excited for the Thea Bowman book. I got a little preview uh, as a fellow Ave author. And I saw the cover, which that cover is The cover amazing. is amazing. Amazing. Yes, oh the artist they found to do that cover is is ridiculous. And I know they, they send me these these big like plastic board uh, cutouts of it, and I do need to uh, start putting that up everywhere on socials. Yeah. But yeah, the artist did such a great job of capturing her spirit and her enthusiasm, and like you you feel like you are right there with her. So I'm super excited about it. Absolutely, I cannot wait. I'm here, Shannon and Kiriyama. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm sorry, I was late. Like, see, Shannon can do this without me, y'all. She can just make it happen. See, I don't even need to be. I'm the co- no, no, no. You need to be here because with just Shannon and I, it would be very academic and very yeah. droll and dry. No, yeah, you bring in the light. You bring in the life and and the laughter. <laughs> She's like, you can. You bring something else to the table. You bring the fun to the table. No, you bring the skittles that's what it is I, the skittles i just fancy church words fancy church words <laughs> you guys are bringing the fancy church words <laughs> okay so let's you know let's jump into it y'all how's the weather in your neck of the woods carry on up I, I'm going to take this literally because as I look out my window, there is, we're under a high pressure system. Uh, so the, the smoke down from Canada has dissipated, but I myself am also under a high pressure system. So that's a good thing when it comes to the weather. So for me, uh, the sun's shining, the sky is a beautiful shade of blue and there's these puffy cumulus clouds everywhere. But I know as we start sliding into this latter half of the summer and into the fall, that that low pressure system is going to come in and the barometric pressure is going to drop and it's going to be, it's going to be on. I, I'm already dreading the, uh, the prospect of going to go and get school supplies because mm, that's mm. just, I might just have to order online because tip. I don't know if I can handle that. Yeah. Target <laughs> has an automatic list populator. If oh. your school district sends them the list, uh-huh. it's like a link during back to school time. And it's like, find your school, you find it, you click it. You add everything to your cart and then you to just your cart. That. Yeah. A girl, you just, you just changed yeah. my life because like, I'm going to look. Like they, I, yeah. They get it. Oh it's my like gosh. I, they made so much mm-hmm. money off of me for the past three years that they've been doing this. Okay. Like, <laughs> Y'all heard it here. Yeah. Target, Target is the place to be. I know. And then Target does it again. <laughs> Oops. It did it again. Hashtag free Britney. Free Britney, y'all. Oh, yeah. 
every episode. Every episode, free Britney. <laughs> Hashtag until all are free. <laughs> exactly. Especially. It's everybody. We ain't free until we all free. Black folks, Britney. Indigenous folks, New hashtag people. land back, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. <laughs> all of it. Land reparations. Okay. To the social justice preaching corner <laughs> of weather check that we have taken over. Started with Brittany, started with Target, and then Brittany, which is very basic. And then mm-hmm. we get into yeah. social justice. We're, so we're on brand. So mm-hmm. we're on brand. brand. I, I was at an interview dinner, like someone was ta- interviewing me about something, and I kept talking about Target and Shannon, apparently. <laughs> on brand. It was very on brand. <laughs> it just kept coming up. Target and Shannon. Target and Shannon. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just real on brand this whole time. I can often be found at Target, so there we go. Well, <laughs> there is now a Target less than a mile from our house, so I, I can I can bike. The other day, I actually rode my bike to Target, yeah, uh, girl, um, which felt very European, and mm-hmm. I'm like, this is lovely. Yeah, let's next to a Target too, man. Yeah, I live the biking. It's the biking part, not the Target part. Gotcha. It's the biking, am, not yeah. not getting in my car to drive the less than the mile to go to Target. Could you imagine <laughs> if they opened a Target in Europe? Call me Target. I have ideas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it would be amazing. Okay, Marcia, what's your weather today? More yeah. weather. See, this is what happens. This is what, this is why you guys probably got so much done before I got here because I just. I'm all the tangents. So my weather, I'm having good weather because I really wanted my weather to be like a rainstorm on an island where a big giant has to come get me because today is July 31st. Hashtag happy birthday, Harry Potter. Woo! <laughs> but, uh, someone said it. <laughs> uh, do you see my mug? Oh, it's the I creepiest mug I own. It is, that is really creepy. It's the creepy is- mug. You listeners, my mug. It's Harry Potter's face with his scar. I don't know. He's pale too. I mean, he's like so pale. Alabaster. He's got green eyes. Like I don't know where I got this mug. It is such a creepy mug, and I only use it one day of the year, and that is Harry Potter's. So I'm drinking my coffee out of Harry Potter's. It's the strangest mug. It's not even good. It's not good. So if you gave me this mug, I am so sorry. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. You need to get a Sharpie and draw on the glasses. Yeah, that's right. There's no like, glasses. That's what there are no glasses. Oh my are, gosh, that's what it is. That's what it is. I was that's like, what it is. There's a glasses like arm over his ear, but do they match his skin tone? Oh my gosh. You there probably were glasses. No, what there were glasses on this because there are divots where there should be glasses. Mm, broke off. So I wonder if someone oh, yeah. just Oh my gosh, that's so hilarious. I think there were glasses, but they came off. But I never had it with glasses and I couldn't understand why. Mm-hmm. And I bet you the person who gave it to me didn't know why. It was probably on clearance. And they were like, here you go. But if you gave it to me, I love it. I use it every year. And now she's going to get a Sharpie and put glasses <laughs> I'm gonna get a Sharpie. on and- Girl, for the life of me, I could not figure out what was wrong with this Harry Potter mug. Really? <laughs> I saw it like right away. And I was like, is that Harry? King's Cross Station after he dies. I'm very confused. I had a you whole story in my head. I'm just going to wear my own Harry Potter glasses yes. then. <laughs> uh, okay. So my weather is not in the cabin in the middle of a rainstorm. Um, it, actually, my weather is humid. It's a sticky humidity, but um, I'm just going to be inside all day. <laughs> Get that AC going. 
Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's it's humid outside where there's not enough product in the world that can... uh... (laughs) Both of us, Kiriana, have our hair up. Like, there's not enough product in the world. There's nothing you can do. Walk outside, it goes poof. So, yeah, and that's what it is. It's like, I think that's what it is. There are so many elements beyond my control. And that is what my weather is, that I can only control myself. And so that's what my weather is. It's a humid day outside where I need to stay inside so I can keep myself together. Because there are a lot of things. I mean, that's not true. I'm going to have to actually go and work. But I can keep myself under control enough. So that's that's my weather. It's humid outside, but I'm staying inside. (laughs) Shannon, what about you, girl? I'm going to kind of just bring it all down here. I am calling this the winds are rising before a tornado. Oh, you know the tornado's mm. coming. The sky is green. Things are swirling. And it's fine now. I'm safe now, but I know it's coming. This week, we had like five funerals come in at work, which is super sad. Um, I mean, most of them were people who were older, but, you know, like all funerals are sad. And I, I run funerals, everyone, if you don't know that, if you're new to our show. Um, so please don't like worry that I'm out here like going to 20 funerals for people who I've known personally. Um, yeah. yeah, a couple of them were really sad. Um, young people in sort of died in tragic circumstances. So it's a little rough, but we've had like, I don't know, 10 funerals in about two months, which is a lot. That's what, like over oh, one a week. A and so like, it takes up a lot of time and effort to, to uh, get things nice because we want people in their grief to not have to worry about things. So we do the work anyway. So that's, that's been really busy. And then also my kids start school on August 4th. So today's July 31st. So five, four days, five days, whatever we're at. And uh, they're on a, a balanced calendar. So it's a little more year round. So we're like done buying school supplies. We're like, they're in the backpacks. We're getting on the bus in four days. And that's going to be busy. And then like once that starts, things really picked up at the office. And one thing I did appreciate about lockdown slash COVID times, even though I did not want it, was like my job was a lot more manageable because people couldn't be in the building. (laughs) And like, you know, we want people to be in the building at church, but also as a like little rest bit for me, it was really nice. (laughs) So I'm glad to be busy again, but it does make things stressful. So like, I know it's coming, the winds are swirling. I just have to get to the proverbial root cellar to make sure I'm safe. I can't be like Dorothy and go after my dog. Like if my dog goes, sorry, dog, you're gone. I don't even have a dog. (laughs) So Sorry, Dorothy didn't end up in Oz, so yeah. Yeah, there could be good yeah. that comes out of going out into that tornado. No, don't go out into tornadoes if you no. don't. Don't just don't no. do it. No, I go actually got, um, uh, for undergrad. I was at the University of Notre Dame, and they, of course, have people from all over the country, all over the world. I remember one of my good freshies, actually my roommate, senior year. There was a tornado like the second day of school or something like that. And, um, you know, all of us Midwesterners were like, okay, get in the basement. And everybody from like California and the East Coast is like, <laughs> what do we do? What do we? I was like, just just go in the basement. Like we're in giant buildings with ton of plumbing. We'll be fine. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. We were thinking about that. I mean, my, my kids have never experienced tornadoes or tornado drills. I mean, they've done, we did earthquake drills in California. One, like one day a year you do an earthquake drill, which is 
you can't practice, you can't, you know, it's just, you go under the table, yeah. but they, uh, I, I was thinking about that, that they are going to experience, I don't know, the kids will go out into the hall and like ducking, you know, cover your neck and ball up school and then coming down to the basement. And so my, my son is obsessed with tornado sirens. Oh, yeah. uh, so he actually has a couple of recordings that he will just randomly play around the house, which oh, God, messes with great. my head <laughs> because I'm like, <laughs> it's sunny. There's no tornadoes, but he likes the sirens. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have that monthly test, so he'll be excited. <laughs> they do. They and do. he loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to make a long story short, she was telling how everybody, how like the sky's green, the winds are blowing. She's like, and I started walking towards it because I was fascinated. And all of us were like, No. <laughs> Run away! Go away the other way. <laughs> wow, we really went on a tangent there. It's okay. my fault. It's totally my fault. I showed up. You guys would have been fine without me. The but best. It's okay. It's okay. Oh man, our weather looks a little depressing, but we promise you, everybody, it's okay. We're all fine. Life is good. Before we get started, I'm going to give you a brief haha, explanation of what liturgy is, since we're talking about liturgy today. So a liturgy comes from the Greek word liturgia, which roughly translates to a public work of the people. A better way to describe that might be to say that it's a public act of worship that a people, you know, if we take ancient Greece, all Athenians, all Corinthians, all Spartans, whatever... All of the people have to act out their proper role in the ritual so that it can be effective. So the idea is if we pray the right prayers and do the right things and say the right things, then the gods will hear us and bless us. And that will, you know, lead us to prosper and all those things. If we do it wrong, then God help us, right? (laughs) The the gods will not be happy and they will not bless us. Uh, And in fact, we will be able to tell whether we did liturgy right, you know, in the understanding of if we have blessing. Now, obviously, that's an ancient Greek understanding of liturgy, but it kind of gives us a a good understanding of what we are talking about when we're talking about this idea of public work or a public act that as Catholics, we've taken that idea and realized how it applies to our relationship with Christ. So liturgy in the Catholic sense is our official public worship that the whole people of God undertakes. So it's taking our role in the prayers and the actions of our ritual, of the mass, of things like that. We participate in our role so that the liturgy will be effective and bring about God's saving presence in the world, right? It's not just the priest's job to do mass and we sit there. We also have a role. And therefore, through this ritual we enact, through the way that we pray, what we do, how we act, God's saving presence is brought into the world. Um, And we see that most fully in the Eucharist, which is lovely. So liturgy is when we are praying as the church, officially, in public, in communion with the whole body of Christ all over the world. That's why we worry about like, what prayers are we saying? Are we saying the right words? Are we doing the right things? Because we're doing the whole work of the church, right? We're being the people who brings about God's saving presence in the world. It's kind of a big deal. (laughs) So that being said, there are three official liturgies of the Roman church, the liturgy of the word, 
which is uh, the first half of Mass, or you can just have a liturgy of the word service where we're doing three readings and praying the petitions, all those things. The liturgy of the Eucharist, which of course is the second half of Mass, preparing the altar when we're celebrating communion, all of that, which of course can only be celebrated in Mass. You don't just like take it out and not do the other (laughs) part. Uh, And then the third is the liturgy of the hours or the divine office, which many people may know as like what monks and nuns pray, what priests pray, uh, where you're praying the Psalms. um, And there's an ordered structure to that. If you've seen a movie with some monks chanting, they're doing the liturgy of the hours or the divine office. So those are the three official liturgies. Other things can be liturgical or related to liturgy or what we might call paraliturgical celebrations. So something that kind of is like liturgy, but is not one of those official things. But these are the three official liturgies, the three official public ways of worshiping in the church. So now that I've given you all that lovely explanation of liturgy that you probably were like, I lost you 10 minutes ago, which was even before I started talking, let's chat. Ladies, what do you love about the liturgy? Uh, I'll jump in. Uh, so for me, it's the the predictability that really speaks to me. I mean, I we can pull out different personality traits and everything else, but I I am I'm an Enneagram one with a, a nine wing, and I am an ISTJ, and so I like things that are predictable. I like to know what's going on. And I remember uh, when I was in graduate school, I went to visit a friend who was teaching in the Czech Republic. So I went over there and got to experience this beautiful country. And I went to mass. And so the whole mass was said in Czech. And I had my English missile and it was, you know, it was a Latin rite mass. So it was, you know, what we would, as a Roman Catholic, we'd say, you know, it's a regular a mass. But even though it was being said in the local vernacular, I could still follow along. I still knew what was going on because of the liturgy. I mean, I couldn't follow the, the homily clearly, but everything else, yeah, the readings and the Eucharistic prayers, those were all something that I could still participate in in English, even though I was not in a, in a mass where English was the language that was being used. Um, and so for me, this idea that you know what's going on and you know what's coming next. And there is a sense of comfort and security because nothing is going to surprise surprise you. And growing up, I mean, I grew up in the Baptist church and I love, you know, even though the Baptist church is not a liturgical church, there is still a rhythm to the services. You know, what's going to happen next. It's not just willy nilly here and there. So for me, it's that, it's that interconnectedness throughout the world for sure. And also just knowing what's, what's going to come next. It's like a, a nice, it's that, it's like that, that sweatshirt you had from college. It's perfect and fits in all the right places because it's yours and you're part of it. That's, that is what really speaks to me about the, the liturgy. I think that's the convert answer because that's legit. <laughs> I was like, you know what? <laughs> I always like know what's coming next. And that's kind of why, well, I kind of, I really love the liturgy for that too. And I guess it's changed and evolved as I have grown and grown in faith, even though I've only been Catholic for what, what five months now? Well, yeah. <laughs> We really do have to explain that one day, but um, it's always, I always know, like, I don't have to guess. I don't have to guess. And that's such a relief for someone. And I don't have to make any decisions. I don't have to decide. And for someone who makes decisions all day long for other people and who's always has to decide, like, you know, what comes next, or sometimes I'm so unsure. Liturgy is one thing I can be sure of. And it really, it's, it's comforting. It's a comfort. Mm -hmm. 
to kind of go along with what Cariana was saying about connectedness, I think that's what really appeals to me. I'm, I'm the cradle Catholic in the bunch. Um, and, and definitely the ritual is appealing. Like we wouldn't be here if we didn't like the ritual in some way, shape or form. But this also has to do with how ritual works on our brains. Uh, basically, if we do rituals in a specific way, it creates in the brain a feeling of interconnectedness of what we call liminality or like the blurring of the edges. So if you do ritual right, you should sort of feel like you're out of your body or that the edges of your body are melting in a way that like you feel this lack of, of boundaries. And so that is, is what really appeals to me, that connectedness through the ritual to God, that I know that this is a way in which I am going to connect to God. And that, especially in the mass, I'm going to be able to receive God into my very self. Like that's beautiful. The Eucharist, of course. And then also to my own personal history, you know, like the memories I have of being a kid growing up in Catholic schools, or even when I was really little being next to my parents at mass, going to mass in college in different spaces, and that it always feels like I am connected to myself in the past, in the future, as well as also to the, the other people around me, right? That through this ritual, we are becoming connected to each other through Christ. So that being said, hopefully, like me, you guys also feel connected. How as Black women, as women of color, has liturgy helped affirm your belovedness? I feel that it applies to me. The beauty of it, mm -hmm. all of it, it applies to me. No matter when or where I attend Mass. I know I'm not speaking alone, but I know for other Black Catholics, sometimes when I go to a church, I somehow have to perform and prove that I belong in that church where I have to show, I know what comes next. I know where to kneel. I can sing the responses, you know, in those moments where I have to participate, those are stressful. But in the moments where I'm not, you know, where I'm like just in it, when I don't focus on that, no matter what I have to prove to the people of God, I know that I belong to the church and in the church. And I think that the liturgy continues to remind me of that. I can't remember where I read it. It might've been a Scott Hahn book um, early in my, when I converted. So I've, I've, I converted over 20 years ago, but I remember reading about how, you know, in the liturgy at the mass, it's a mirror. It's an echo of, of what, what we'll experience in heaven. This idea of, you know, when we are, when we are singing the Holy, Holy, Holy or the Sanctus, that's what is being sung in heaven. And we see that in revelation, you know, the responses that we're, that we're saying, we are not just making things up as we go along. These are all biblically based. We will find these responses in the Bible. Yes, they are scattered throughout, but they are still biblical. And so this idea that the affirmation of my belovedness is just being able to be in that space and to be able to sing my praises and sing my glory and or sing glory to and sing my love of God, the Father, the Creator in the space with uh, other believing Catholics and others that, that feel the same way. And this idea that I, I think you said that Marcia, you said that great by saying, I don't have to prove anything, you know, just in being there, I am validated and I may not be valid to other people around me, but frankly, that's not who I'm there for. I'm not there for the person next to me in the pew. I'm not there for the priest. I'm there for God. I'm there to worship God. And that is what we're doing in mass. And I think when we are able to flip our minds and to look at it from that point of view of mass is not a performance church is not entertainment. It's not there. I'm not there to be entertained. It's not bread and circuses, but it's an act of worship. It is what I am doing and what I'm giving of myself 
to God. And then, you know, when we get into the liturgy of the Eucharist, how I am able to take him into myself, into a literal indwelling of, of Jesus into my body. And then I can go off and do the work that he has set out for me to do. That's that belovedness, that idea that I have, and you have, and we all have a specific part and a specific role and job to do. And it's not just to sit there with our bottoms of the pew and wonder when mass is going to be done. Awesome. Yeah. I think I have similar thoughts. Liturgy for me is really like the one place I feel like I don't have to be on display as a woman of color or to code switch between my two cultures or even, you know, just have to choose who I'm going to be in that moment. I can really show up to mass or evening prayer or whatever it is anywhere in the world. Like you said, Kariana earlier, I know what's going to happen. I know God's going to be present and I know that I belong there. You know, there's a sense of walking into any Catholic church in the world and feeling at home. And so in the liturgy, I feel home. And ultimately, if it is a foretaste of heaven, like it is a moment of being home because that's where I'm going. You know, I, I really can simply be who I am, a child of God coming before the Lord in gratitude to meet God and God's people. And I think also one thing that always always really strikes me is that liturgy is a place where I feel worthy without any qualifications because like I know I'm going to come and that like God wants me there. <laughs> like he's invited me into this celebration and that like I am worthy to receive the very body and blood of Christ simply because I was baptized and showed up to mass and, and right. Like there's qualifications to that, that we all know, but um, right, I'm not going to, like, right. Wait, we know, we know, don't add us. Don't add us. But like God has determined me worthy to receive his very life inside me. And that's not always a message that I get as a person of color from the world that I'm worthy of anything. Yeah. What better than the very creator of the universe saying, not only are you worthy, but you're beloved. We talked a little bit about this. Uh, liturgy for us as women of African descent isn't always a place of welcome. What are some ways that you have been marginalized through liturgy or in experiences of liturgy? Well, I think I said it earlier where I feel like I have to prove what I can do. I literally had a woman stand next to me and start telling me all the things that come next. Oh, God. She was so welcoming. And I was like, ah. Uh. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I was like, it's okay. I got this. I got yeah. this. Wow. You know this so well. I was like, can we not make maths of microaggression? <laughs> like, well, it's weird. I'm, I'm sure she felt that she was trying to be welcoming and helpful. I know. But so you, know you got to back off and say, all right, they, this woman knows what's going on. So let yeah. me just, let me focus back on God instead of mm -hmm. on her. Yeah. And, so, and yeah. crazy because it's like, I'm sure there were people in that mass who had no idea what was going on either. And they were just there. But I was like, you, you picked me out because you're like, oh, it's a black person in my white mm -hmm. carriage. I'm mm -hmm. going to go welcome them and show them that they can belong by showing them that they don't belong. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds odd. It's funny now, but I was really like, you are hindering my worship. Like you are literally hindering my worship mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. and so, like That is happening. <laughs> Well, and one thing that I've learned, so I've, I've, I've actually checked out a couple, I went to a Byzantine rite, which by the way is beautiful. And 
one thing that the, the, the clue that I, or the, the tip that I got going there, not knowing the Byzantine right was just go and experience. So we need to, I think one thing we, we would be remiss to, to not uh, acknowledge that sometimes just let, let people experience the mass just on a cellular and in a sensual level versus mm-hmm. making sure that they're able to, to dot all the I's and, and cross the T's. Just let, let someone experience the music and the words, you know, they may not be responding, you know, with their mouths, but you, we don't know what's going on in someone's head, I guess. And so instead of assuming whether or not someone knows what's going on, let them experience what's going on just where they are. Yeah, that's really it. That's seriously where I feel marginalized, where it's like, Mm -hmm. I belong here. Look at me genuflecting. This is the correct me. (laughs) Oh, man. Now I'm going to just keep going on what I was, what I was, where where I graciously interrupted Marcia about. I'm sorry. I I get excited. I'm I'm an an interrupter. I've been working on it. It's really hard, but it's one where when we start using the liturgy as a weapon or a tool against each other, that's when I can really feel that marginalization because, and granted, maybe it's just Catholic social culture right now, but there's this idea that you have to make sure that you are the quote unquote right kind of Catholic or you're in the the right right this is where, where words would be really helpful but you know as I learned from from Shannon there are different rights in the Catholic Church and so just because we belong to the Latin right does not mean that our right is the only way of worship and the only correct way I mean there's there's so many different types of, of rights out there and they are all valid and they are all good and that when we start saying well unless you're going unless you're following the 1962 missile you're doing it wrong then we are already you know separating ourselves and as catholics we know that our that our people of our faith have been marginalized throughout time just because of being catholic i mean i've been on this whole history rabbit trail of going down into like the, med- the medieval times and you know hearing what catholics did to others i mean i'm looking at uh, at, at queen mary and then also what what was done to the catholics during various uh, reigns, you could see that there is a lot that goes on. And the fact that we are now spending our time in fighting because of you go to the ordinary form of the mass versus going to the extraordinary form of the mass. And there's no reason for us to have this. This is, this is the devil's work. I'm sorry. I'm not going to say, be sorry to say it's the devil's work trying to divide, divide this church. Mm -hmm. And instead of using external forces, let's just do it from the inside because that's the most effective way of doing it. As Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So stand. challenged all mm-hmm. of us. Most people think Abraham Lincoln said that, but it was the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> he was, was quoting Jesus. the Bible. He was quoting Jesus. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think uh, what I was going to say, Kariana, speaks exactly to what you were saying. I often feel marginalized in the American church for challenging expectations of what liturgy is supposed to be so like challenging why people say like oh this practice is more reverence or you have to kneel at x y and z time or a church needs to be built in this certain style there's kind of assumption that european is the ideal and also that if you challenge that if you're saying something different that you're saying that their way is evil or bad or wrong or that I personally am being heretical. I'll give you an example. When Pope Benedict was still in office and and was the Pope, he sent out, I believe it was a motu proprio, which is uh, what 
Pope Francis just sent out about the Latin Mass. We won't talk about that. So a, a directive basically of like how we should celebrate liturgy. And he said in there that the organ has pride of place as an instrument um, used for Mass. And it was certainly a cultural norm for him. And I would argue that like as a European, he maybe wasn't thinking outside of the box of like, if you're in the jungle in the Amazon, an organ's not really gonna like keep. (laughs) It's too humid for the organ, right? So like there's an assumption there. I'm not, I'm not trying to like say I'm smarter than the Pope. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm just saying there was a cultural assumption that went along with that. Um, And wood's not going to last. I'm telling you right now. Exactly. (laughs) It was, I think again, a motu proprio, but it was a directive about how liturgy is supposed to be celebrated. Not a doctrinal statement, not a dogmatic statement, but people really treated it as if it was like, this is equivalent to saying that Mary is conceived without sin. And like, that's not the same thing, right? And basically to challenge that, especially in theological circles, often um, where I am in the Midwest in particular, it's like all of a sudden, I do not believe in the true presence, the real presence. I don't have any reverence for the Eucharist, for the mass or for the liturgy because I don't hold the same view they do. And it really speaks to this assumption that Americans have, I think, in the church, white Americans in particular, that European is the norm and it's the ideal. And that's really dangerous because it's the same kind of thinking that led to segregation in parishes, to forcing Black Catholics to wait to receive the Eucharist after white parishioners. Um, It's why people like you experience, Marcia, question Black people in the pews and you have to get every response perfectly correct because it's an assumption based on the color of your skin or the way that you look. And it's a way that racism from our culture has insidiously worked its way into our church. It's not that our church is racist. It's that our culture has had racism creep into our church because we can't separate ourselves from our culture, right? It is what it is. And so we make this assumption that white is the default, that European is the ideal, and that contradicts what we believe about who the universal church is and welcoming everyone. And that for me is is very frustrating because it's like, no, I'm pretty sure I know what I'm talking about when it comes to liturgy. I love the Eucharist. I love the Eucharist. I hold the ritual and the, the order of the mass as sacred, but like also read the documents. <laughs> like don't tell, don't lecture me and don't make the assumption that your way is the norm. It's your preference uh, most of the time. I think um, that's really key there. You said, I mean, read the documents. I think oftentimes we, and I know I'm guilty of it too. We will, we'll, we'll hear something happen and we'll rush off to our favorite website or we'll, we'll rush off to some other, you know, second, third, fourth degree instead of going right to the document. And yes, those, those Vatican documents are hard to read. I don't know why they're hard to read, but it's one where if you want to go to the source material instead of reading it filtered through someone else's interpretation, and then then have your reaction mm-hmm. instead of, mm-hmm. you know, reading what, what XYZ Catholic theologian says about Pope Francis's document or about Pope Emeritus Benedict's documents. Read the documents for themselves before, you know, jumping to whatever conclusions you come to. Yeah. And especially when it's not somebody who's trained in liturgy or theology, like be really skeptical of that. And that's not to say that people don't have wisdom. Everybody has wisdom about liturgy because it's all of us. 
but like know the basics before you jump into the organ, right? Like, let's start with like, why do we do the things we do before we start arguing about whether or not we should use an organ or a guitar? Anyway, I have opinions. <laughs> so what do you think that we can do to better welcome everyone to the Lord's table? How can we do liturgy better? How can we be more welcoming? One thing that I have really appreciated, and I will tell you, I it took me a while to, to appreciate this, is when the priest would take the time, whether before mass begins, to not only welcome welcome everyone there, but also to explain before getting into the liturgy of the Eucharist, what the Eucharist is. And mm-hmm. you, you typically see it's more at, at churches that have a high turnover of visitors, be it a cathedral or some kind of place of, you know, a historical place where they'll say, you know, as Catholics, we believe X, Y, and Z. And therefore, and I know that this is all printed in the Missal, but you can't make the assumption that someone's going to flip to that page in the Missal or open the cover and read that part. So I think the priest really taking his role and as someone who you know is now commanding the entire audience of the congregation before mass begins to explain you know what the mass is for those who either may be visiting or are new or are considering because we know that at any given point in our pews there are people that are not catholic but they may be feeling that pull they may be feeling that pull toward the the beauty and the ritual and all that and the eucharist and and they they're looking for something and it's right there but the veil hasn't quite been lifted from their eyes yet and so in taking the time to really help people not only they're coming from a place of authority in the person of the priest but it also takes the pressure off of the rest of us of feeling that need to help coach or or help people around us because again that's not really our our job in that space when we are in mass our focus should be on on god and it should be on worship it should not be on teaching other people around us you know let's let the authority lie where that office is with the with the priest and that's actually written into the liturgical reform Uh, that was a suggestion from the bishops was like as a priest you're welcome to help explain things as you go. Like it's, it, they have permission to say like, we're singing this alleluia because blah, blah, blah. Right. Then most priests don't do it because thankfully most of us kind of know why we do some of the stuff at least. Right. Like, or you can figure it out as you listen, but, but it is there. So, Hey, priests like teach, teach your people. You're a teach, yeah. yeah. Be teachers, put on teacher hats. <laughs> I think just jumping off of what you said, Kariana, my suggestion is put, like an insert or like a laminated like sheet with the mass responses in the pew because one you'll avoid inadvertently offending black catholics if you decide to tell them the responses um or i always hear every year in rcia that people say like the first time i showed up to mass i had no idea what was going on everybody knew what to say i had no idea And a lot of parishes will be like, oh, well, there's a sheet inside the hymnal. Well, like, who's going to go looking for that, right? You want to make it easy for people to participate. Mm -hmm. And that being said, like, Mass is designed for the baptized, right? You're supposed to be baptized before you're participating in Mass fully, so you can receive Eucharist and all that. So it's not something I would recommend being, like, the first thing you bring somebody to, to help them know Jesus or to help them learn about Catholicism. It's not a what we would call, quote-unquote, a seeker-friendly event. 
but also recognize that there are people who are interested and ready to make that step. And we need to help them feel welcome for that first time they do decide to come to mass, like that they're not totally lost. And like, that would be a good reason why like the priest talking about what's going on would be helpful too. In addition to that, I love to go to mass in a different language or different culture. And like, while I could respond in English, uh, it's a great way to like follow along and participate with the people. If I go to say Spanish mass, um, if they have a hymnal or something that I can follow along with in Spanish, I feel more incorporated into the people rather than like trying to like be like, palabra de Dios. And I'm like, <laughs> thanks be to God. <laughs> like, right. You know, it's well, like well, from while you were sleeping. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lord, um, hear our prayer. <laughs> yeah. And for those of us in English speaking masses, you know, it's a way to welcome our brothers and sisters who are Catholic who may be like new to the area and not great at the language or just to help incorporate them into the mass. So like stick a sheet in the pew with the basic mass responses and make it easy for folks. And it goes a long way. Yeah. How about you, Marcia? Well, because I grew up Pentecostal in a small church, we knew who the visitors were. Mm-hmm. And we knew we we're like, you don't go to church here. So I am so used to when people don't know us, like someone approaches them and says, hello, welcome. Not like, do you need, like, what are you doing here? But like, do you need assistance? Like, do you want to know what's going on now? Or do you want to know this? Like, I think something that's really helpful would be to, you know, greet and welcome people and ask them, is this your first time worship- worshiping with us? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. go from there. And doesn't assume like, like, is your first time worshiping period? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. are you a former heathen? Yeah. Like, not that, but like, yeah. like, you know, like, is this your first time worshiping with us? And then they'll say yes. And they'll be like, okay, great. All of the things that you need to know are here. These are the responses. Those song numbers are over there. You know, now that people are going to be allowed to sing again during mass with other people. Yeah. So I think that is a really good way to get around it. Not othering a person for not understanding, but is this your first time worshiping with us? Yeah, I love that. And like, there are things at a parish that are unique to that parish. Like our parish has a prayer that we say at the end of mass, after mass is over, don't at me again. I know the order of the mass. Okay. (laughs) I know a lot of parishes that do like the St. Michael prayer or something after mass is ended or whatever, but not everybody does that. So like, it's a great way to say like, well, welcome to our parish. Here's some things we do that are different too, you know, or like you said, like, here's where the numbers are. Like, that's really great. Cause sometimes you're like, how do I I find these songs. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, what's going on? I did one time, I took my friend Jack to mass, shout out to Jack in Terre Haute, and I had to cancer, and he just came with me because we were going to do something after mass. And I was like, oh, awesome. He came before mass, and we were just talking, and then I had him sit in his pew, and I got up to go and sing. And because I was there early, walked him past the ushers, he sat in the pew. He did not have any mass materials. (laughs) And I'm in the pew and I'm singing and I'm I'm in the candor stand. Why isn't he singing along? And then my friend Jacob kind of looks at me and he holds up a book and I go, I did not get (laughs) my friend Jacob was like, oh my gosh, here you go, Jack. And then he went and got like, and I was like, I was like unwelcoming in my welcome. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, actually, I remember a time we did the same thing. We had friends who were going out to dinner on a, like a Friday or something, but it happened to be Immaculate Conception. So we had to go to mass and we're like, well, we can go out with you, but like, we got to go to mass first. They're like, oh, well, come with us. And they're, they're like good Southern Baptists. So don't really know a lot about Mary. Like they're open. They weren't like, oh, we're horrible and worshiping Mary, but they like had no idea. And it, you know, it's December 8th. So it's close to Christmas. You know, they've been to masses before, so they knew how to participate in all this stuff. After mass, we're like at dinner and they're like, so why are we celebrating Jesus's conception like in December 8th when he's going to be born in three weeks? And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't explain to you at all. They're like, and why were they talking so much about Mary? Like, well, we're celebrating Mary's conception. Today is the Mary day. Well, you know how that happened? That like led to my breakup with that one guy because he's like, I don't understand. I had just gotten to a point to understand the Catholic Church doesn't worship Mary. And then we went to mass together on New Year's Day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Day. And he was like, I'm out. I don't understand. <laughs> it's so sad. It's, it's, it's. If you don't get it, it look it doesn't look good. <laughs> right. Anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. So now it's time for the best part of the podcast. The most important part. It's the offertory. <laughs> <laughs> The most important part. Exactly. Uh, Kariana, what do you have to offer to us today? I have three things to offer. First of all is um, on Apple Plus, if you have not watched Ted Lasso, if you're one of those that has not experienced the joy, oh girl, get to it. I had it for free. I had oh. it for free and I didn't use it. And then now I'm getting charged for it because I was like, I need to watch Ted Lasso. Now I'm paying for it instead of watching watch Ted Lasso. No, oh it's, it's what I know everyone's saying it and, it. and if you're like me, you're like, oh, everyone's into it. I'm going to go against it. No, go go and watch Ted Lasso. It yeah. is like a, 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 it's like an injection of like dopamine into your brain because it's yes. so happy. And you, you have, you, you walk away from the episodes feeling like, yes, mm-hmm. There is still love and light and biscuits can solve the world's problems. I am a huge fan of Ted Lasso. That is not one that we, we miss. Um, I have been obsessively listening to the American Shadows podcast. Uh, it's a storytelling podcast. talks about these uh, things in history that have not been... Uh, it, it's very interesting. It's very kind of shadowy. It's through Aaron Menke's Grim and Mild Company. So if you like kind of dark and twisty things, check out the American Shadows podcast. And since we're talking about liturgy... I am a fan of the divine office, but I find that the actual, like using the breviary is kind of, it can be a lot. So these last few months I've been praying using the little office of the blessed Virgin Mary, and you can find those on Amazon and they're just great. It's evening prayer. It's morning prayer and evening prayer. And it's just a way to really infuse your daily life with a little bit of liturgy. I actually have two versions. I have one uh, based off of the 1962 missile. Uh, so it would be more of the, I, the uh, extraordinary form based little office. And then I have the uh, one based off of the ordinary form. But little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary, you can have your own little bit of liturgy in your house anytime. Very cool. 
yes to Ted Lasso. Yes to all of that. Let's do those things. Everyone take her suggestions. Even if you've paid for them. Even if and you, them. you, and you I, have to pay no. for them. I binged watch Ted Lasso. Eric started watching it. I was kind of behind. And we watched. He was like, oh, we'll watch the first like two episodes. It was like nine o'clock at night or whatever, eight or nine. And then like we got through two episodes, maybe like. I don't know, 10 o'clock. And I was just like, this is so good. I'm watching another one. And so then I like caught up to him and I was like, I need to go to bed. And also I can't watch the next one before he does. (laughs) As all you couples out there know, you don't do that. (laughs) Moving on. I am recommending another show on Apple Plus. I am recommending Schmigadoon. It is also on Apple Plus. It's great. Uh, The leads get stuck in a broadway musical like a hollywood 19 oh my gosh that's amazing and they just start trying to get out and are like oh my god they're singing all the time what's happening they have some great cast in there kristen chenoweth of wicked fame and all of the other things is in the there and uh, for all the, the, all the broadway Uh, Martin Short has a cameo. It's just lovely. Uh, It is so funny and you should watch it. It is for adults only though. Absolutely. Kids cannot watch it. So this has nothing to do with the fact that if you and Eric got caught in Brigadoon, that's what they would call it. Yeah. But that's (laughs) kind of That would be it, right? (laughs) Like it totally sounds like that. (laughs) Now I'm just imagining you and Eric getting caught in Brigadoon and going, what's that? It's like the town that you keep going back in time or whatever yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, right. Yeah. You and Eric getting caught in Brigadoon. That's what it's going to be called. That's kind of what it is. <laughs> Let Eric know. Let him know. I particularly enjoyed a number called Corn Puddin'. <laughs> And um, it's about eating corn pudding. So that I believe is in the second episode. First season is going on right now. Comes out every Friday. Also in the vein of liturgy, I am recommending a little website called the Sunday website. It's from St. Louis University. And they basically have all the readings and then they have different reflections on the readings as well as like some cultural historical context. If you want to dive into like what's going on every Sunday at mass, it's there. So you can have prayers that go along with it. You can have reflections, you can have questions for discussion, like it's all there. So it's the Sunday website from St. Louis University. Just Google it and you can get all of the readings for all of the things and all of the reflections. Uh, then finally, I'm also recommending going to forest preserves. Hopefully you have a forest preserve by you, or maybe you like live in the country and you don't need a forest preserve because the forest is everywhere. I don't know. Or you're in the desert and you don't have forests near you, but you have desert. I don't know. Just enjoy the outdoors um, and just to be in nature and to appreciate green space. Enjoy God's creation. It's great. Awesome. Okay. The other Bennett sister. Have I recommended that? No, I recommended it a long time ago. And then you were like, stop reading all those Pride and Prejudice variations. And I said, no. And then you read it and you loved it. And I was like, I did. It's a great one. It's so good. One of the best. It's so good. Okay. I was like, did I recommend it? And you're like, no, stop trying to take my recommendation. <laughs> no, you t- you're right. You totally did recommend it. And then I was like, I don't know. I don't know about this. And then it finally came through on my library app. Y'all listen. Okay. Listen to me. Finally listening to Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. other Bennett sister is lit. Okay. Like, like I 
am still, I'm still thinking about it. Like, I'm still like, oh my gosh. And I'm ashamed of myself for what I thought of Mary. I texted Shannon. I go, this is the best epilogue compliant fan fiction I have ever read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, so, and that's, it's like legit. It is. That's exactly what it is. And I have legit been scouring half half price books so I can actually buy it on my own. Like every time mm-hmm. I was like, there's a half price books around here. Let me go in and see it. their website. They shipped yeah. you. My last t- trip in half price books. I was like, oh, wait. And then I was like, then I, so I'm going to go and look for it because that book is a lot of money. And it tells you how good it is because I bought it in hardcover. Okay. I was yeah. like, you know what? Fine. Yes. <laughs> It's so, so, so good. I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks because that's been my life and camp and things like that. So like, I've just been nonstop and catching up on my Goodreads list. And it's funny because I was like, why is my Goodreads goal so low? And I go, because you wrote a whole book this summer <laughs> or this year. Do you know what I mean? So I didn't get to read a lot of books, except Shannon read all the books. <laughs> I did not. Instead of writing. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I believe me, sometimes I feel like, no, you've wrote, shut up. (laughs) So the other band sister for sure loved it. It's just so great. Okay. I don't know if I've ever recommended it, but I'm going to recommend it now. The Starbucks, the shaken espresso, they have a Mm -hmm. shaken espresso drink and I am really loving it. They have a brown sugar oat milk one. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. funny thing is, but I just like the regular shaken espresso drink substitute oat milk. Mm. And then it costs so much more than if I got brown sugar. <laughs> I'm like, I wonder, <laughs> I just realized I'm like, I should probably order the brown sugar one and take out the brown sugar. Yeah. I was like, how come my baristas ever helped me out? Because the brown sugar is fine. I just like the simplicity of a shaken espresso and oat milk. That's not simple, simple at all, but <laughs> It's really refreshing and I really like it. And that's kind of been my go-to drink this summer. And usually in the summer, refreshers are my go-to drink. And that hasn't been the case. I also don't get to go to Starbucks during the week because I was at camp all the time. So when I go, I'm like, I really need (laughs) some Starbucks. But those are the two things that I have. The other Bennett sister, which I should have listened to Shannon. And I hope that you guys listen to Shannon too. Mm -hmm. And then the Starbucks chicken espresso substitute oat milk. Because oat milk is so rich. It's not even mm-hmm. less calories than milk. I just want y'all to know that. No. Oat milk has the same amount of calories as normal milk. It's not like almond milk. <laughs> but I just like it better. <laughs> I just want to be very clear. So no one's tricking you. No judgment. So I don't care. I still drink it. That's our show, Shannon. You want to take us out? We're doing it. <laughs> oh, hostess. Very confused. <laughs> like, this is not the show I signed up for. It's fine. <laughs> We're all going to be fine. All right. So that is our show, everybody. We're so glad you joined us today. If you feel like following us on Instagram, you can oh, add like us it. at PSBB's podcast. You can follow me, Shannon, at Team Quarterback. You can follow Cariana at Cariana Frey. That's F-R-E-Y. You can follow Marcia at Stylishly Sia. You can also email us at plaidskirtsandbasicblock at gmail.com or visit our website at www.psbbpodcast.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, etc., etc. This helps more people find the show and helps them listen to our cheesy mass jokes. 
<laughs> you can support our podcast by shopping our merch at shop.spreadshirt.com slash podcast or becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash podcast. We would like to say thank you to God for giving us the mass and all of the liturgies that we have and allowing us to worship him in spirit and truth. Thank you to all of the priests who bring us the sacrament and all of those who make liturgy happen at our parishes. We say thank you also to Jazar for our theme song, Seas of Mars, which may not be allowed at mass, but it's definitely stirring up our spirit on the podcast right now. <laughs> thank you so much, Cariana, for joining us today and sharing your wisdom and insight with all of our listeners. Thank you, Marcia, for keeping it real as my co-host and giving me the lead today. <laughs> thank you, Shannon, for taking the lead. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Finally, thanks to all of you, our listeners, for joining us again this week. We are going to be taking a short mid-season break before joining you again. Uh, We'll be off for about three weeks. Until then, we hope you enjoy the glorious summer sunshine. Take some time to take care of yourself. Have a great few weeks, and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.